We'd like to welcome you back to part two of our current event and weekly Bible study for May 20th, 2018. The next report is entitled Vaccine Mandates, Strategic Social Strategy, the Gateway into the Transhumanism Movement. What is transhumanism? And I, I know we've covered this before, but we're going to just recover this ground again because it heavily relates to everything that we're talking about today. The main science mega project of the 2045 initiative aims to create technologies enabling the transfer of an individual's personality to a more advanced non-biological carrier and extending life, including to the point of immortality. Because, see, they know deep down that that's the big gigantic carrot that everybody wants, most people at least, most people in the world, the unsaved, they want to make sure that, I think everybody has some kind of sense there's, 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 you know, an afterlife, there's judgment potentially waiting for them. Hell is a real thing. And um, for the vast majority of humanity, they want that promise of immortality, life extension. And if you could transfer your soul into a non-biological carrier, you know, download it into some type of mainframe or into some type of biological robot type thing. Well, that's very appealing to a lot of people because that means that if I can live forever, then there's no judgment in the afterlife. Um, Aline Daneman of the Vaccine Liberation Army stated, quote, the apparent reality is that the establishment is disabling the emerging generations of humanity, preparing the age for transhumanism. Now, if you just key in transhumanism in the keyword search box at contendingfortruth.com, I've done many, many studies on that, dedicated ones. The same indus industries, uh, artificial intelligence, nanotechnology, biotechnology, um, are involved in vaccines as well and are the pioneers of transhumanism so they're all related the, the vaccines are a gigantic part of the whole transhumanism movement by destroying the functioning human system through mandated vaccines because that's what it's about that's all vaccines are is to destroy you body soul and spirit and you could say well yeah how's it going to destroy my soul well you get foreign dna which is in vaccines right now okay uh, you inject them into somebody, and let's say there's nanotechnology, and then there's injectable nanorobots, which they've had that technology for decades. And now all of a sudden, you've got little cyborgian nanobots in your bloodstream. You've got foreign DNA, which are literally transforming your own DNA. Um, what, at what point do you become not human, not fully human anymore? What is this all about? It's all about Genesis 6. To corrupt the seed line of humanity, just like Genesis 6. And it got so bad in Genesis 6, God had to wipe out the planet and start over via the flood. It's the whole exact same thing. And Jesus says, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man, right before Jesus returns. Whether you're pre-trib, mid-trib, pre-wrath, post-trib, whatever, it's the, still the same time period on the grand scheme of things. So... It's all about disabling the emerging generations of humanity, of, of, of defiling their DNA, just like it was in Noah's day. That's what the vaccines and a lot of other things, that's their main purpose. Uh, they are, and then continuing with this quote, it says, they are indeed paving the way for transhumanism. What is the plan then? Are we to exchange traditional antiquated hospitals for nano-hospitals? When our implanted mechanics fail, 
Why would anyone in the right mind allow these industries to control the switch? So there's the, the website uh, www.2045.com, which is the Transhumanism Strategic Social Strategy. I'm going to go ahead and play this. I, I know I've played this before, but this is just a good refresher on what their game plan is and openly what their game plan is. Um, so I'm going to go ahead. This is entitled, this video is entitled 2045, A New Era for Humanity. And you may say, well, what does 2045 have to do with anything today? They're, they're actively implementing this right now. I think that 2045 is just their way of diffusing a lot of people and having them put their guard down because the reality is is they would like to implement this a lot sooner if they had their druthers if satan had his way the world is on the verge of global change the speed of data transmission has increased by multiples of millions the rate of globally significant events and that of discoveries and crises is growing exponentially our civilization is like an uncaptained ship sailing on rough seas with neither chart nor compass. Yeah, and like Satan has the solution for all that because Satan's the one that's created that whole mess. But he's got the solution though. Now, uh, bear in mind, this actually, this video came out um, in 2012. I've played it. This is probably the, th might be the third time I've played this. Uh, but just so you know, so there's a little more context there. All the while moving faster and faster. The time we have to make the right decisions is shorter and shorter. We are facing the choice to fall into a new dark age, into affliction and degradation. So only Satan has the actual, you know, remedy for all of this. Or to find a new model for human development and create not simply a new civilization, but a new mankind. Huh. Historic a Christ new mankind of transhumanism, cyborgian implanted foreign dna um, that will eventually just transfer their supposed soul into some biological non-biological container that will contain your soul which is a total lie because all it's going to do is just send you to hell these show that to break the deadlock we need technological revolution it is clear that today's revolution will also require the deepest social transformation the world's community and leaders should encourage mankind instead of wasting resources on solving momentary problems to focus on the technologies of the future nanotechnology <laughs> biotechnology information technology cognitive technology genetics and robotics doing so will allow us that's the only hope for the future all of these satanic agendas is the our only our only hope find new sources of energy create fundamentally new architecture and transportation allow unprecedented developments of human cognitive abilities refine artificial intelligences and brain computer interfaces simulate complex systems create humanoid robots and cyborgs and with the help of nano robots we may develop manageable matter find ways to transfer one's personality to an artificial carrier <laughs> that's you know basically put supposedly put your soul into into a by some type of biological non-biological carrier like a robot essentially yet what we need is not just another technological revolution but a new civilizational paradigm we need new philosophy and ideology new ethics new culture new ethics mm. 
anything that moves us away from the the Bible, the Word of God, morality, that's the new ethics. This is so overtly satanic that it just boggles the mind. New psychology and even new metaphysics. We must reset our limits, go beyond ourselves, beyond the Earth, and beyond the solar system. This is an adequate response to the challenges of our time. Thus, new reality and future man will arise. Could it happen spontaneously, by itself? Unlikely. Humanity does not have a master plan of its development. It seeks stability. It lives in the present and does not plan. It preserves the status quo and tries to escape development. It does not tend to map future centuries and take responsibility for evolution. In consumer society's culture, there is no evolutionary vocabulary and rhetoric. And you always have the Dar- Darwinian component in there. I always have to mention evolution, all this other garbage, these, these, these satanic asinine agendas like Darwinian evolution, these types of things that have been totally debunked and disproven and have no merit in, of, of, of any type of factual evidence. To break the deadlock, the Russia 2045 movement was founded. It is a mega-project intended to reach new heights and meanings. We intend to create a new vector for civilization, aimed at constant human development and evolution. As happened with the mega-projects of the last century, the nuclear and the space programs, we integrate the latest discoveries and developments from the sciences. Physics, energetics, aeronautics, bioengineering, nanotechnology, neurology, cybernetics, cognitive science. May everlasting spiritual ideals and values help us avoid going astray. Our project will give new meanings to the millions of people on Earth, will become a result of their joint creativity, and will lead us out of the impasse, away from the murder of nature and physical death, forward to the realm of freedom and creativity, to the depths of the ocean and to the stars, to the infinite universe of our inner world. Our forecast for the next 40 years... February 2012, Global Future 2045 Congress is held in Moscow. It is a debate platform for discussion of our civilization's prospects for development. 2012 to 2013, the global economic and social crises are exacerbated. The debates on the global paradigm of future development intensifies. New transhumanist movements and parties emerge. Russia 2045 transforms into World 2045. Simultaneously, the 2045.com International Social Network for Open Innovation is expanding. Here, anyone interested may propose a project, take part in working on it, or fund it, or both. In the network, there are scientists. So they've got all these weird things coming, an avatar with an artificial brain in which a human personality is transferred to it at the end of one's life. So that way you never supposedly die, which is a total lie from the pit of hell, but this is the pie-in-the-sky garbage they're presenting. Scholars, researchers, financiers, and managers. 2013 to 2014, new centers working on cybernetic technologies for the development of radical life extension rise. The race for immortality starts. 2015 to 2020, the avatar is created, a robotic human copy controlled by thought via brain-computer interface. It becomes as popular as a car. In Russia and in the world appear, in testing mode, several breakthrough projects. Android robots to replace people in manufacturing tasks. 
Android robot servants for every home. Thought-controlled avatars to provide telepresence. So this is this is the carrots they're putting out there. So you don't have to do anything. You can just kind of kick back and live a life of leisure. This is one of the common themes that I've seen with these transhumanist movements. Um, uh, Jacques Vallée and and these types of things is they always have all of these satanic carrots. The whole alien agenda is that way too. We, we, the, the big reason that so many people in the alien agenda want disclosure to happen is because they feel like when disclosure happens and the alien, supposed aliens are, are, are openly announced to humanity that we'll be able to get all the goodies. Life extension and all of this other stuff and free energy and these types of things. They've already got free energy. They've just su suppressed that. Um, you know, I've talked about that a lot in the past. So you'll see a lot of that mentioned there uh, as the ultimate satanic carrot put out there. ...in any place of the world and abolish the need for business trips. Flying cars, thought-driven mobile communications built into the body or sprayed onto the skin. 2020 to 2025. An autonomous system providing life support for the brain and allowing it interaction with the environment is created. The brain is transplanted into an Avatar B. With Avatar B, man receives new, expanded life. Oh, 2025. So at that point, they're saying they'll just take a human brain and put it into a basically a uh, like a robot. Okay, they're calling it an Avatar here, but the way they're portraying it on screen is like a robot. And then... Therefore, the robot's not going to break down, or if it does, you could just replace the parts while the brain continues to exist in this particular thing. The new generation of avatars provides complete transmission of sensations from all five sensory robot organs oh. to the operator. 2030 to 2035. And what is all this about? It's all about playing God. It's basically uh, the God did a bad job in the beginning. And we're going to do it better because we're smarter than God and we're going to play God and, and, and create a better um, environment. And it's just all it, all it is is a uh, much slicker, sl slipperier road to hell is all this is really about. Brain. The colossal project of brain reverse engineering is implemented. World science comes very close to understanding the principles of consciousness. 2035. The first successful attempt to transfer one's personality to an alternative carrier. The epoch of cybernetic immortality begins. 2040 to 2050. Bodies made of nanorobots that can take any shape arise alongside oh, hologram nice. bodies. They're showing like guys with wings and stuff flying around and stuff like that. You can be whatever you want. You know, be, you be Bugs Bunny if you wanted to or, you know... Um, Foghorn Leghorn. I mean, I don't know what whatever you you want to be. You you want to be a giraffe? Sure, go go for it. 2045 to 2050. Drastic changes in social structure and in scientific and technological development. All the prerequisites for space expansion are established. For the man of the future, war and violence are unacceptable. The main priority of his development is spiritual self-improvement. <laughs> yeah, right. A new era dawns. Spiritual. The era of neo-humanity. You sick devils. The Lord Jesus Christ rebuke you and all your wicked devil efforts. I pray God rain down his fury on this wickedness. So yeah, we have that. And, and that is that is kind of the 
you know, all the stuff we just talked about with the SES and Serco, this is where they want to bring it. So this all ties together because just remember what I said before. What are the ultimate goals and interests of Serco? Okay, of, of the SES and Serco. One world government, disable the U.S. Constitution, incapacitate American influence, eliminate borders, implement 5G societal control, eugenics, dramatically reduce world population via pharmaceutical, chemtrail, aerosol poisoning, water contamination, carbon tax, GMO, irrigated food, nutrient depletion, nanoparticle programming. They talked a lot about nanoparticles in that last thing. Microviruses, 5G EMF poisoning, MEME brainwashing, and vehicle commandeering, track control, eliminate people, and the things, the internet things. But this is the this is the nice little sticky sweet live veneer that they're gonna put out this this disgusting video that I just had to play. Uh, so it ends by saying, I highly suggest that you do your part now before the momentum to mandate vaccines at the federal level gets any bigger or it will be too late because they're, they're tying heavily, heavily, heavily vaccines into this whole transhumanism movement. I've been screaming about vaccines from the very moment I got into ministry when I did that tour with the Prophecy Club in 2016 on the avion flu. And you can go up and just key in Dr. Scott Johnson, Avion Flu, or Scott Johnson, Avion Flu. You'll find it. Uh, and you can watch it on, um, I don't know if the Prophecy Club version's up there because they kept taking it down because they want to always they want to always make sure that they're getting paid and ration the bullets as much as possible. But, um, yeah, uh, the video is, the, the video that I did, it's about 130 to 40 point uh, slide PowerPoint presentation. It's just as true today as it is. You know, obviously I could update it, but the information in that PowerPoint presentation, in that presentation, is just as true today as it was. Now, I put another one up uh, because it was a more updated one, but you're not going to see me speaking, but you'll see the, the, the PowerPoint slides, and it's a more updated one, and you can access that one as well. And uh, I, I mean, it's literally the foundation of, of this ministry was built kind of on that whole concept. And now it's just all coming full circle. So um, going further here, the next report is, did you know that dozens of genetically modified babies have already been born and how they will alter the and how will they alter the human species? Now, this is just what we know about. Okay, so bear that in mind. But this is going back, this is from Dr. Mercola, as of 2001... 30 genetically modified children had already been born, courtesy of the process in which genes from a female donor are inserted into a woman's eggs before being fertilized. Two children that were later tested were found to have DNA from three parents. Now, this is an abomination. This is an abomination. This is not the way God intended things to be. This is plain God. I don't know, I mean, what the capacity for these children to even be saved at this point. I don't know. I don't know where that line is drawn. You know what I mean? But I know one thing. I sure wouldn't mess with any of this. I would sure err on the side of safety. Two children that were later tested were found to have DNA from three parents, two women and one man. I mean, that's not, that's not natural. That would never occur in nature naturally. But when you're playing God, when you're, you know, this is all part of the transhumanism movement, you know, then it's all fair game. No one really knows what the ramifications of having DNA from three parents might be for the individual or for their subsequent offspring. When I first read that genetically modified humans had already been born, I could hardly believe it. This is Dr. McCullough. However, 
Further research into the story revealed that the UK's Daily Mail proved it to be true. They've really done it. They've created humans that nature could never allow for, and it's anyone anyone's guess as to what will happen next. Even more shocking was the discovery that this is actually very old news. I mean, this is this is 17 years ago. So you can imagine what they've done since then. <laughs> you know, I mean, just look at the video they we just played, their agenda and how uh, aggressive they are about implementation of it. The Daily Mail article was not dated, and upon investigation, the experiment cited actually did take place over a decade ago, and the study announcing, well, it's way more than a decade, but the study announcing their successful birth was published in 2001, and here's a reference to that if you want to see that. At best, I hope I can stir you to ponder the implications of this type of genetic engineering as reported in the featured article. The disclosure that 30 healthy babies were born after a series of experiments in the United States provoked another furious de debate about ethics. 15 of the children were born as a result of the one experimental program at the Institute of Reproductive Medicine and Science at St. Barnabas in New Jersey. The babies were born to women who had problems conceiving extra genes, which they're creating that problem on purpose. So then what they do is they give you their satanic remedy, which is this. Just one of the satanic remedies. Extra genes from a female donor were inserted into their eggs before they were fertilized in an attempt to enable them to conceive. <sighs> Genetic fingerprint tests on two one-year-old children confirmed that they have inherited DNA from three different adults, two women and one man. Yeah, that's natural. Um, why don't they just put a chimpanzee in there too? Well, we've done that before. It's called They're called humanzies. Remember that study I did on there? I mean, they've literally done this. Humanzies, where they've got part part human, part chimpanzee. Obviously, you're not going to see that on CNN, but it's been done. You know? Today, these children are in their early teens, while the original study claims that this was the first case study of the human germline genetic modification resulting in normal, healthy children. Yeah, right, I'm sure they're normal. Later reports put such claims in dis dispute. So we have that. Now we have this report. Scientists create first human-sheep hybrids. Human-sheep hybrids. Okay? Paving the way for organs to be grown in animals for transplant. Scientists have created the first human-sheep uh, hybrids, paving the way for organs to be grown in animals, which can be transplanted into humans. I mean, how stinking disgusting. You know, I I'm sorry, but... I would gladly choose death than having a transplant that was half sheep or half pig or half some animal put into me. It's not natural. It is an abomination. It is not something God would ever tell you to do. I don't have to pray about that. It's 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 evil. You're you're it's that's what Nephilim are. They're part fallen angel, part human being. And then and then the um I mean you see all these things in Greek mythology of, you know, the, the centaurs and, and the minotaurs and all of these other things that were half animal, half fallen angel. They're abominations in the sight of God. You don't got to pray about whether I should get a transplant from something like that in order to extend your life. If you're a Christian and you die, absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So... This isn't something you should ever contemplate, which is what, I, is what I'm trying to tell you. Uh, the successful Stanford University project 
could even open the door to finding a cure for type 1 diabetes. Oh, because the ends justify the means. And as long as it's a cure to a disease, then it's good. No, it's not. No, it's not. Not if you got to sell your soul in order to do it. Uh, by creating healthy pancreases in, grown in the sheep, human-sheep hybrids. I mean, what does that look like? I mean, that's got to be pretty scary. A human-sheep hybrid? You know, talk about creepy. Creating uh, healthy pancreases to regulate blood sugar. While scientists have previously developed human-pig hybrids, so that's comforting, human-pig hybrids, that's neat, sparking excitement that they could use them to grow human organs, no team has been able to take it to the next step. I kind of doubt that. I, I think that's just what they're admitting to. I, I think that's what they're saying on the outside. I kind of doubt anything that they're telling me. Breakthrough could also help alleviate the, the global shortage of organ donors. Um, and they're doing all this stuff to kill us, which creates this global shortage of o organ, all these people on, on list to, you know, need the, need organs and stuff like this. They're doing all this stuff to kill some humanity to create this problem. And then they give us the remedy, which is this. Or the next remedy, which we're going to talk about, which is even more in a way it's more heinous because we're going to we're going to look at that in a second here uh around seventy six thousand people in the u.s and 6500 in the uk are on an organ transplant list and it can take up to five years to reach the top uh 32 day 32 people die a day waiting for the life-saving organs okay well Let's look. So again, that's that's their justification for doing all of this this abomination. So what's what's the next thing to look at? Does the government actually own your organs? What you don't know can kill you. This is from Dr. Paul A. Byrne, an MD, very established MD with very high credentials. We'll get into that in a second. How aware and prepared are you? really for this your loved one becomes unconscious and suddenly find and suddenly you find yourself pressured to consent to organ donation but what the experts are not telling you is that organs only come from living donors who are dissected alive without anesthesia did you know that you got that organ donor card you go into a hospital in that type of situation, they are salivating. You got this gigantic list, people on waiting lists. You're young, between the age of 40 and when you're, when you're young, typically those are the main ones they go after, obviously, because they're, they're younger. And you're, you got an organ donor card? Oh, man, you are fair game. You know how much money they make off harvesting your organs? And they get them for free. And they have a very, very, very high incentive to make sure you're dead so they're going to do about everything that they can i'm not saying every doctor but i've demonstrated over and over and over the whole medical pharma cartel is a absolutely total satanic system at its core and they're doing this and they're doing it on purpose by design living donors are dissected alive without anesthesia why is the brain death not based on sound medical science? What is really happening during organ harvesting? These are all the questions that we'll answer in this, this audio that we're going to be playing. Why do you need to know about the, quote, apnea test? And what does it do to you or your loved ones? Why is only one side of the story being told? How 
how can you really give informed consent? What are your constitutional rights? How is the brainwashing employed to coerce donors, families to feed the organ industry? Are you opted in by law without your consent? What does HIPAA really do to your privacy? Is there any way out? What specifically can you do now to prepare and protect yourself and your beloved family members? Pioneering inventor of the, of the um, preemie ICU and preemie blood pressure systems and the founder of neo, neonatology, Dr. Paul A. Byrne, MD, joins the reluctant preppers to draw back the curtain and expose the medical industrial government collusion that will set your heart pounding and send you running to warn your loved ones. Don't miss this. Share it with everyone you care about. So we're going we're gonna to play not the whole video. There's a lot of videos of this gentleman up there. Uh, but I'm going to give you enough to, to give you a pretty good education on what we're dealing with here. As a responsible person with growing concerns for your privacy and personal liberty, you want to know where we're headed and what you can do about it. We ask the experts what you need to do to take prudent and responsible action to safeguard your family's wealth and well-being and what basic first steps will help you to be aware and prepared. ReluctantPreppers.com Welcome back, Reluctant Preppers. Tonight we have an extremely special guest, an expert in the field of medicine, Dr. Paul Byrne, MD. He is not only a neonatologist, he is the founder who started the field of neonatology. He also started the first preemie uh, intensive care unit, and he invented the preemie blood pressure system. He is here today to talk with us as we focus on being aware and prepared of awareness of the untold side of organ donation on the topic of does the government own your organs. Welcome to Reluctant Preppers, Dr. Byrne. Donegan, thank you very much for inviting me to uh, have this discussion with you. Now, you are a pioneer in this field and have spent a good part of your career in trying to raise awareness of the untold story of organ donation. If, uh, if you could give us just a quick understanding of your background and how, it, how you came to be so concerned about this topic. Well, the first patient that I uh, uh, encountered with these questions was a patient by the name of Joseph in 1975. And uh, uh, Joseph was on a ventilator for several weeks, and a brainwave test was done, and it was interpreted as being consistent with cerebral death. And uh, I saw death on his chart, and I saw Joseph, and uh, it seemed like these things uh, uh, that something was seriously wrong because Joseph was not dead. And in layman's terms, cerebral death is what's commonly referred to as brain death, brain dead? Well, uh, yes, there's a lot of different terms that, that gets used, and there's uh, a lot of different uh, uh, criteria that get used. Uh, none of them are for true death. They're all for uh, uh, designating some kind of uh, condition that is uh, not true dead, uh, but something so uh, uh, it becomes a signal to do something else, like uh, get the cut out the organs or turn off the life support. It was suggested to stop treating Joseph, but I continued to treat him. 
And eventually he went home from the hospital. He went to school. He got good grades, ran track, played baseball. He's married. He has three children. Uh, but he was the patient that started my study uh, of the uh, subject of brain death. And brain death is fake death. It's not true death. It's just fake death. It's what they made up uh, uh, primarily to get organs, but it's also used to stop treatment. And what makes somebody dead is the... So to get organs and stop treatment, that's what the this brain death that they talk about is. And this is from a top MD in his field. Action that's taken uh, after their uh, the declaration, uh, uh, like if you turn off the ventilator or if you cut out the beating heart, then, of course, uh, no one uh, uh, re- recovers after they've had their beating heart cut out. And uh, 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 so uh, brain death is, in some ways, uh, similar to uh, life insurance. Uh, that is, uh, uh, people purchase life insurance, but uh, uh, it has nothing to do with life. It has to do with death. Well, brain death has uh, uh, uh not, nothing to do with death. It only has to do with life. People that are called brain dead are alive. And it's just uh, made up to get organs. And every organ that's transplanted is a healthy organ, and it comes from a living person. Uh, there are essentially no organs that can be uh, transplanted from a cadaver. Uh, a, a, a cadaver is a, a dead body. And uh, uh, everybody realizes that that uh, when death occurs, uh, there's destruction, and of course there's destruction of the uh, vital organs, and it occurs quickly when there is no oxygen supply to those organs. So uh, uh, organ transplantation uh, involves getting somebody who is uh, uh, living and then uh, doing, coming to some conclusion so they can get organs. And so what? Coming to some conclusion so that Sorry, I had an ad pop up there. There's going to be several of these, unfortunately. It involves getting somebody who is uh, uh, living and then uh, doing, coming to some conclusion so they can get organs. And when people go to the license bureau and, and they're asked the question, do you wish to be an organ donor? Those who say yes are um, uh, surmising that the organs will be taken after they're dead, when in fact there are no organs that are suitable for transplantation after true death. Now, I know that uh, uh, this might be difficult for people to hear because they might might not have ever heard it before. Uh, and yet uh, it's uh, kind of things that if they just uh, think about it, it would make sense to them because uh, uh, most people can uh, tell uh, know the difference between uh, life and death. And, uh, and, uh, and then... The other thing that um, uh, adds to the uh, 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 to the mix-up about the situation is the only thing you hear about uh, uh, is the recipient of the organs, uh, and of course, uh, 
uh, we see someone who has received a heart or received a liver, uh, and they're alive, and we're excited for them. But uh, we also know there is no way that you can get a heart for transplantation unless it's a, a beating heart. Uh, there is no way that you can get a whole liver for transplantation unless it comes from a living person. And, of course, after the whole liver is cut out or after the heart is cut out, then the uh, donor is dead. And, and, uh, uh, and so people concentrate on the recipients. And, and, of course, we're happy when we see someone who continues to live after they've received the heart. But on the other hand, uh, we know that, that the one that they took the heart out of was killed in the process. That's something that you never get told. I am astonished at when I've been, in, and most people will, will this will immediately be recognizable to them. You go to the, to the Department of Motor Vehicles to get your license, and there are posters all over the walls about donate life, share life, my son saved five lives, and there's, there's, don't, there's uh, brochures on the counter, there's posters on the wall, there's a person ready and smiling and ready to have you say yes and put the, the check mark on your license, but only one side of the story is being told. That's what is true in so many other areas that we try to expose on our channel here. We try to talk about the untold story, and I was just shocked when I attended your uh, live lecture, and you talked about that only from a living donor can viable organs be, be harvested. And you talked about that, that it's not until the organs are harvested that the, that the donor actually dies. And in doing that, we aren't, we aren't informed about that, but can you describe a little bit more about what has passed for the definition of death? You mentioned true death is no longer held up as the criteria. It couldn't be. Uh, so what is what is the the definition of death, and has it been reliable and unchanging through the years, or what's the story of that? Well, the first set of criteria that was published was uh, called, uh, uh, first of all, it was called the definition of irreversible coma, and it was labeled as the Harvard Criteria. Uh, that was in 1968. Between 1968 and 1978, there were 30 different uh, sets of criteria that were published. Each one ten tended to become less strict than the previous ones, and there are many more since that time. They're, they're all different, so a person could be declared dead by one but not by the other. Uh, and and um, in my own investigation, I looked at the Harvard criteria and asked, is it based on science? And the way progress is made in, uh, uh, in uh, medicine is that, that new things are developed and then they are uh, tested on dogs or cats, uh, uh, rats, that kind of thing. Well, there were no animal studies in that article. And then the next thing that happens in uh, medical science is that when something is new, they try it on a few patients before they try it on more. Uh, in the case of the Harvard criteria, they didn't do any studies on dogs or cats or rats. They didn't do any studies on human beings, uh, on human persons. They just published the beings. Here we go again. Sorry. 
beings. They cannot demonstrate that they can res respond. So someone who's declared brain dead is unconscious, and then they uh, they talk and about an absence of brainstem reflexes, but those are just reflexes that involve the uh, lower centers of the brain, and they are not functions, but they are reflexes. And the difference is that when you go to the doctor and the doctor taps your knee and your knee jumps, that's a reflex. If you walk, that's a function of the leg. So they test only the reflexes, the brainstem reflexes, and then the only function of the brain that's tested is the function of taking uh, taking in a breath. Uh, and they, uh, uh, they determine that the patient can't take in a breath by taking away their ventilator. The, uh, these uh, persons are on ventilators. The uh, ventilator is a, a machine that we use to help people to breathe. But the only thing the machine does is pushes air in. It doesn't even make it come out, and it only works when the lungs are healthy and the heart is healthy and the heart is circulating and, and the liver is functioning and the kidneys are functioning, and that means it only works when somebody's alive. When they're a cadaver, the ventilator won't do a thing. And so the patient is uh, uh, unconscious and on a ventilator, and then to determine that they can't take a breath, they take the ventilator away. Uh, you and I, uh, um, uh, and most people take a breath every three to five seconds, so 12 times a minute, 15 times a minute, 20 times a minute, we take a breath. Well, these patients that are on the ventilator, they take the ventilator away, and there's no breath, no breath, not just for at 30 seconds or a minute or two minutes, but for 10 minutes, they suffocate the patient. They make the carbon dioxide go up, and when the carbon dioxide goes up, that makes the brain swell and makes them get worse. And that's known as the apnea test, and the apnea test, incidentally, is not a test for sleep apnea, but the apnea is a test where they take away the life-supporting ventilator for up to 10 minutes and Everybody who is listening to this program must learn a couple of things, and one of them uh, is to learn that if their relative is unconscious and on a ventilator, they must instruct, do not do an apnea test. No one ever needs an apnea test. The apnea test is done uh, in such a way that it can not help the patient at all. It can only make the patient get worse. And they do that because they want to get their organs. So I mean, this could this be any more satanic and evil and cruel? You you got a person there that's beyond helpless, and you're doing all the sadistic, evil, satanic garbage to them so that you can profiteer and get their organs when they may be able to make a full recovery. Now, the things that he is mentioning, just so you know, I am. You don't have to write this stuff down. I give you all the links from his own website. He's got, he's got a website where he lays all this out, PDFs, all this stuff. You want to know what to do. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you that information next. I'm not going to get into all the details, but I'm going to give you the information so that you can arm yourself with this knowledge. It's all free. Uh, he puts it out there, and um, 
you'll be able to have all the information you need to know regarding all of this. So, so you don't really have to take notes about this. Uh, it's, it's all done for you already. One of the things that every listener needs to, uh, 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 to learn is do not do an apnea test. They also have to learn do not sign up to be an organ donor. And yeah. when that's, that's the main thing. Do not sign up to be an organ donor, ever. The license bureau, and they ask you, do you wish to be an organ donor? When you say yes, that gets recorded. But if you say no, that's not recorded. It's not recorded anyplace. The no just goes off in the, in the space someplace. There's no recording of the no's. Uh, and uh, we at Life Guardian Foundation do uh, uh, give out medical cards, and we do give out uh, instructions. People... Uh, need to discuss with their relatives and and let their relatives know that they do not want to be dissected alive to get their organs and and incidentally they're they're all dissected alive they're 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 not dead they're dissected alive and when they dissect them that they uh, uh, the common practice is not to give them any anesthetic. Uh, and they, but they paralyze them, so there is no movement when they're cutting the organs. And and hey, did you hear that? No anesthetic. You're there. You're in the most helpless position in your life. You may be even conscious, and yet you can't respond. And they're literally dissecting you alive without anesthetic, but they've paralyzed you, so you can't move. How stinking sick and evil can you possibly get? It reminds me of that Hillary Clinton video where they, where, you know, that is still yet to, to become mainstream news or whatever about them cutting that poor little girl's face off alive. It's very, very reminiscent of, but that goes on all the time in hospitals all across the, the, the same dynamic there. It's very difficult for the relatives to uh, uh, to find out later that their uh, their son or their daughter was dissected alive and uh, and their organs were cut out. Uh, you know the kidneys, the liver, the intestines, the pancreas, and oftentimes the last organ to come out is the heart, uh, and and uh, and they're distributed. Uh, well, the, the reason is obvious because you have to have the heart to make sure they're still alive. So they'll take every organ that, obviously, I mean, if you took a lot of these organs out, you would eventually die. But you can take them out and do certain things where you can still keep the bodies, the body alive. And then all the stuff's going on while they're alive, while they're paralyzed with no anesthetic. I mean, this... Uh, this is so evil. This is so grievous to even think about. And then they take the heart out last because they know once they take the heart out, they'll die. And there's no words for this. There's no words. To have multiple recipients and then the relatives find out that their son or their daughter was not even given an anesthetic when they took the uh, um, uh, uh, when they took the organs, uh, but they were paralyzed so that they didn't move and cause any uh, uh, any discomfort.
to the people in the operating room who uh, might see them uh, as one uh, transplant surgeon said, as I made the insurgent, uh, incision down the middle of the chest to take the organs, the man threw both arms up. Uh, and, of course, that was uh, several years ago, and it doesn't happen anymore because the paralyzing agent uh, does not allow that to happen. So, in other words, he was feeling it all. But that was before they started using, evidently, paralyzing agents in there to because it makes it more palatable for the people in the operating room that they don't have to see the um, live person writhe in agony as they're being cut open alive and dissected alive in front of everybody. So these things are all important from uh, my own uh, 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 vantage point. Uh, uh, I would say it's very clear that, that brain death is not true death. Uh, it's uh, not based on any kind of sound philosophy. Uh, it's not based on sound theology. Uh, uh, theology has to do with God and the relationship between God and us. Uh, God loves us, and God loves us uh, through our entire life, uh, uh, and uh, and uh, uh, God does not want us to uh, uh, to kill ourselves or to kill other persons. And so, uh, uh, in brain death, uh, if you wait until in uh, uh, organ transplantation, if you wait until true death, there are essentially no organs that you can transplant. So uh, these these things are going on, and yes. Your listeners need to learn this. So does everybody need to learn it. Uh, and and uh, they they uh, uh, maybe uh, the first thing to do is just uh, 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 think about it and say, well, uh, Johnny Ben, are you a living person? Of course you are. So am I. And and uh, yes, we're persons, and we can talk and we can hear and and uh, that kind of thing. But the only reason we can talk in here is because our, our heart is beating and there's circulation, there's respiration, uh, our livers are working, our kidneys are working, and all of that is going on. And and uh, uh, and while we uh, pay attention to things like uh, the heartbeat and and uh, uh, and the heart rate and other things that we pay attention to, in the case of brain death. That is considered to be uh, peripheral to the situation. Uh, it doesn't really count. In brain death, they're unconscious and on a ventilator, and the fact that their heart's beating and they have circulation, they have respiration, they just make it that that doesn't count. Uh, uh, and and uh, when they, uh, uh, they use in the laws, uh, they use words like, uh, uh, irreversible uh, cessation of all functions of the entire brain, uh, and including the brainstem. And those words sound strong, but then the determination is made in accord with accepted medical standards, and the accepted medical standards are all set up to get your organs. Uh, uh, the law that I just talked about is called the Uniform Determination of Death Act, uh, there's another law called the Uniform Anatomical Gift Act, and that's already been passed in 47 states, and it presumes that everyone intends to be an organ donor. It's presumed that everyone has, to, uh, has consented 
So everything to be done to them to determine if their organs are good for someone else and to keep the organs in good shape till they can find someone to, uh, uh, to give them to. And that's already the law in 47 states. And, and then there's another law that's called the HIPAA law, and most everybody's heard about that because uh, anytime they don't uh, want you to get some information, they refer to the HIPAA law. Uh, anytime you go to the doctor or the pharmacy or your insurance agent or wherever you go, you sign a piece of paper. You don't know what's on it, but it has to do with the HIPAA law. And the HIPAA law has a list of 14 ways that the government can get your information without your permission and use it without your permission. And one of the things that's listed in the 14 uh, uh, ways is to get your organs. So you see... Uh, uh, it's uh, set up legally so that your organs belong to the government. Uh, uh, you think they belong to you, but the government just has to find a way to uh, uh, get uh, permission from you. And if you say yes to the organ donor uh, situation at the license bureau, uh, they will have that. If you don't say yes, they will still really campaign to get your organs, especially if, if you're between the ages of about uh, 14 and 40, uh, not too long ago, just north of here in Michigan, there was a uh, 14-year-old girl who uh, was uh, declared brain dead quickly. And, and uh, I say quickly just to put that in there. And, uh, and, but they left her mother stay by her bedside. And uh, uh, as they continued to prepare her to be an organ donor, she squeezed her mother's hand. Uh, well, that essentially saved her life. Uh, and, uh, and of course, if the person is, uh, who's unconscious and on a ventilator uh, can in some way do something uh, to demonstrate they are still alive, then they get a chance. Uh, 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 Zach Dunlop, a few years ago, a 20-year-old young man, uh, uh, and who they even uh, published his death certificate. And, and uh, because he had a relative who worked in the intensive care unit, uh, as the helicopter was landing to take his organs, the relative got a response and stopped that. And in the interviews on the TV, he described how he could hear them saying uh, that, that he was brain dead, and they asked him, what did you want to do? He said, I want to get up and do something, let them know that I was alive. And, uh, and you see that little thing that I told you about unconscious and showing that you're conscious. There are different things because there are many stories of, uh, of people who are unconscious, how they can hear much longer and that kind of thing. And, and can hear things after they come out of their uh, uh, their coma, that kind of thing. And so uh, uh, brain death is uh, unconscious and on a ventilator and can't take a breath, and that becomes the signal to do something else to get your organs cut out. Right, and on our channel... So, I mean, I have, like, this just feeling in my... Like, when I feel like the Holy Spirit's really grieved about something... I get this feeling in my like my stomach and it's just like this very sad grieved because the Holy Spirit lives inside us as born again Christians and it's this very sad grieved feeling that this is something that 
I really believe um, we we don't we haven't known about. I didn't know about this at all, not to this extent. I mean, I knew organ harvesting. There was a gigantic evil agenda. I have reported on that, but I just have this overwhelming feeling of sadness and grief grief over this. Uh, I really believe this grieves God and the Holy Spirit, and this is something that's very important. Uh, poor people being literally dissected alive. It's very sad. Our, our byline here is helping you to be aware and prepared. And uh, I was, uh, my eyes were really opened with awareness from seeing, hearing your talk. When you mentioned the paralytic drug that has to be given to uh, donors who are alive before their organs are cut out of them while they're alive so that they won't thrash around, um, I had never heard of such a thing. But our granddaughter recently was in the intensive care unit with a serious uh, pneumonia and had to be given a paralytic drug so that she wouldn't struggle against the uh, intubation, the breathing tube that she had down her throat. Um, so there it was used uh, to help her get through a therapy that she needed uh, to get well again. Uh, so I'm uh, well aware that it is, it is uh, used in hospital settings uh, when necessary, but I bet that most people have never heard that uh, their loved ones, if, are, if they're declared to be fit to be organ donors, will have to be given a paralytic drug before they cut their organs out of them while they're alive. And in that, if people knew that, uh, they would be able to have one more piece of information to make an informed decision. But if you could turn to that topic of informed consent, if it's not the individual, and you mentioned that the law has been changed so that you're automatically opted in without your consent, if you haven't opted out, you're in. And how in the world uh, would, uh, how is the system set up, what is the process that's used to obtain consent from relatives and loved ones if the individual isn't able to speak for themselves? Well, first of all, so far as consent is concerned, uh, remember that I told you about that apnea test uh, where they take the ventilator away for 10 minutes. How could anyone uh, give consent to suffocate their spouse or their daughter or their father or their mother, you can't get consent for that, and they don't get consent for that. And not only that, but I, when I've been on the phone with the, uh, with doctors who want to do it, and, and uh, they say, well, they have to do it. Well, why? Because it's the law. They say, well, and I explain to them there is no law. Uh, and yet they go ahead and do it anyway, and, and uh, uh, overriding what the relatives say, what I say in those few cases where I've had direct contact with the, uh, uh, the doctors. So far as informed consent, you know, that's a, uh, a legal term that's out there, uh, and theoretically, if, uh, if, if you just take a simple operation like appendectomy, uh, 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 to uh, get informed consent, you would have to uh, uh, be informed that you would get an anesthetic, and theoretically you might not wake up, and you would have to be uh, uh, informed because they make an incision in your abdomen. Uh, uh, but they get consent, and you say yes to that, even though it has some risk to it, uh, and you do it because you have a diseased appendix, and the appendix is being uh, taken out. Well, uh, uh, one of uh, there are multiple doctors uh, uh, in the world now that are admitting.
saying that brain death is not true death, but what they're saying is, so what? Uh, uh, we want to get their organs anyway, and you just have to get consent. Consent from, obviously you can't get consent from the unconscious person, uh, and, and get consent from a, a relative, and, and they do this in such a way as that, uh, uh, that that uh, they probably aren't going to get better, and even if they do get better, they'll uh, uh, spend the rest of their life in bed or on a ventilator or something even worse than that, and that kind of thing. And and so the, uh, whatever kind of consent that's obtained, uh, uh, it's a kind of uh, uh, consent that that uh, uh, that really doesn't spell out how awful the apnea test is and spell out how there is no way that you can get uh, uh, the organs for transplantation unless the donor's alive. Uh, and and so, so if you spell these things out, there isn't anybody that could give permission to have their heart cut out because that would be suicide, and that would, no one could agree to that. And no one could agree to uh, cut the beating heart out of someone that they love that would be killing them. And so, uh, 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 yes, they're doing these things uh, without consent, without informed consent, but can you really get informed consent to uh, kill someone who you love? Now, I am uh, aware of the fact that that uh, 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 so-called uh, physician-assisted suicide uh, uh, is already illegal in Oregon and Washington and Vermont. Uh, and, and uh, maybe another uh, uh, state by now, uh, uh, but while it's legal, uh, it, uh, it, is, it, is it moral? Is it right to uh, kill yourself? Uh, is, it, is it right to kill someone that you love? And the answer is no. And, and of course, uh, uh, I see what's going on with serious illness and and uh, yes, I am a physician, and I, uh, uh, there are many, many good things that go on with doctors and hospitals and the like. But what is going on now is that, that if somebody gets to a certain age, whatever that is, uh, uh, or if they get a certain illness, whatever that is, then they get sent off to hospice or palliative care. And, and of course, when I started to do neonatology, uh, every baby less than three pounds and four ounces that had trouble with breathing died. There was a hundred percent mortality, and and uh, uh, other doctors and myself said, "Let's try," and we did try, and all kinds of things have come out of that, uh, including uh, ventilators uh, that had to be invented for babies, but they had to be very sensitive and very gentle. Well, that, those sensitive, gentle ventilators are the same ones that are used for adults. Uh, incidentally, a lot of people, uh, you'll hear somebody say, I never want to be put on a machine. I never want a ventilator. Uh, well, ventilators are so different now than they were 40 years ago. 40 years ago, they were not sensitive. They were not uh, easy to use. Uh, now they're very sensitive, and, and they had to be sensitive for the little baby because the little baby can only take in a little bit of a breath. And, and of course, if you make the machine sensitive uh, for a little baby, sensitive enough for a little baby, 
it's very sensitive for us big adults, that kind of thing. And and uh, things like for little babies, uh, they don't have much blood, so we had to invent micro technique for blood testing. Well, that micro technique is used on all of us now, and and all of that came about because we didn't give up on the little babies. Uh, uh, from my vantage point, so far as medicine is concerned, I think we give up far too quickly. And and uh, if if we take uh, those uh, that uh, get sent off to hospice or get to palliative care, uh, it would seem to me that if we tried just harder, we would invent better ways to help them, uh, and that ultimately helps lots of other people. So I, uh, I, I think, uh, uh, yes, uh, uh, no one should be an organ donor. Uh, uh, no one should get an apnea test. And, uh, and uh, I think that, that what we should be doing is protect and preserve life uh, from conception until true death. And that's what Life Guardian Foundation is all about. Uh, you can look at our website, www. Uh, 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 lifeguardianfoundation.org uh, all three words together lifeguardianfoundation.org now you- I will warn you I think this guy is Catholic because hey, there's another link here from the Fatima Center and he's speaking at the Fatima Con- the Path to Peace conference from Fatima the Killing for Organs so I, he's speaking about a good thing but I have this feeling that he wouldn't be speaking there unless he was majorly Catholic. So I'm just kind of giving you that proviso there. Not to say that what he's doing is not a very, very good thing. But I just wanted to at least give you a heads up. You can see uh, and review uh, 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 presentations that I've given at other places. And, uh, and also you can find a way to get the cards that we send to you, the medical cards that you should carry with you. And we also uh, have booklets that we uh, send out that that uh, has instructions about how to set up power of attorney. And the power of attorney uh, that you would set up with your uh, with your spouse uh, is to protect and preserve your life. Uh, and like, and then the other thing that that uh, is so important is that that when uh, uh, children become 18. They reach the age of majority, and then the law is that there is no one that speaks for them. Uh, no longer can their parents speak for them. So those uh, uh, young people who are becoming 18 and going off to college need to designate in an official way that their mother and their father are the ones that uh, have power of attorney for their health care uh, so that their mother and father can speak for them. Because at least in some states, if someone is not designated, then it automatically goes to court, and then the court can appoint whomever the court decides. And there's uh, every indication that it might not be a relative that uh, uh, that, that would uh, be the one appointed to make decisions uh, for your child who has re- uh, recently reached the age of majority. So uh, www.lifeguardianfoundation.org, and you can get uh, more information. We, we will send things out if you uh, uh, request them, 
and um, and go to our website and learn more about the things that we're talking about. Now, if I could circle back one more time to that topic, we are sp we're talking about educating yourself as uh, if your loved ones might get uh, uh, into a situation, heaven forbid, where you would be approached and asked to give consent for them to uh, have organs harvested from them. Um, if you you talked in your lecture that I that I attended about the the process that that is often used to um, sort of coerce or direct the course of, of that uh, obtaining of that consent from from loved ones who are in a very stressful time and who might not have this information that that you're giving us um, what is that process and how does it how is it used to to um, uh, basically stack the deck in favor of people uh, agreeing to organ donation for their loved one well what happens in the hospital is uh, uh, is that it's set up so that as soon as somebody is unconscious and on a ventilator, especially if they are uh, uh, under 40 years of age, uh, the organ transplant people are contacted immediately. Furthermore, the, your doctor or the doctors and nurses... At so the satanic organ police are notified as soon as somebody's on a ventilator, and a fresh meat, here we go, we're, we're going to swoop in and, and, and start our game plan. That hospital are not allowed to request uh, uh, permission to get your organs. The organ transplant people employ designated requesters, uh, is what they're called, and they know how to be nice to you. Uh, mm -hmm. And uh, we've watched them work. Uh, they will bring you a cup of coffee. They will be very kind, and then they uh, find out if there's a, a, a mother or a father who might be more likely to give in. And then they separate them, and then they get the weaker one to give, say yes, and then their job is to get the others to say yes for, uh, to get the organs. But all of this is set up to get your organs. You have to understand that the organ transplant industry, uh, and that's what it is, it's an industry, it's a multi-billion dollar industry, it's completely dependent on getting healthy organs from living persons. Uh, uh, they can't get organs from a cadaver. And furthermore, it's uh, set up by the federal government. Uh, uh, the uh, federal government is the one that supplies much of the money for organ transplantation. Uh, 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 you know that uh, Medicare is... Uh, uh, was uh, started out to uh, uh, provide health care for persons who were 65 and older. older. Uh, yet Medicare participates in paying for almost all organ, uh, organ transplantation uh, procedures. And, uh, and it, it, it cost, you know, a, 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 a body is worth probably at least $5 million dollars. Uh, uh, for their organs, for the trans organ transplant industry. Uh, $5 million. That's the incentive that they've got per healthy body to get your organs. So that's why they're willing to go through all of this and to do all these cruel, sadistic things is really, it's the financial motivation and then also from a satanic standpoint, the agony and suffering of the loved ones as they're being dissected alive. Uh, 
and you look at the medical pharma cartel and the satanic roots of it and, and that there's many overt satanists that work in hospitals, that's a whole other motivating factor. So this is what we're dealing with here. And, and, uh, uh, and so uh, uh, it, it, it isn't that, that, uh, uh, that, I, uh, uh, it, that I'm opposed to people living longer. Of course I want them to live longer. But in the case of heart transplantation, they really don't do as many as they formerly did because they realized that if you just gave better treatment to the heart that's there, they do better than if they get a transplant. So they don't do so many heart transplants anymore. Uh, uh, they used to do more partial liver transplants, but then a, a brother in Colorado uh, gave part of his liver to his brother, and, the, and in about five or six days, the uh, donor was dead, and in about six months, the recipient was dead. And then they looked around, and they found five other cases like that where partial liver transplant re resulted in the, uh, in the death uh, of the participants. So they don't do as many and, uh, as they formerly did. And, and of course, you, you can't do a, a, a whole liver uh, uh, transplant unless you kill the donor. And then there are things that we find out that with better nutrition and vitamins, uh, uh, that uh, uh, livers that weren't able to heal are now able to heal. Uh, and of course, kidney disease, dialysis, people can live a long time on dialysis. And oh, that's, that's that I would have to highly kind of disagree with that. Dialysis is a death sentence. I mean, it's just a matter of time. Yes, it can give you some more time, but it's pretty much a death sentence. And I, you know, so I mean, but yeah, with the, with the nutrition and these types of things, absolutely. I mean, I think there's a lot of things you can do. Um, I know a lot of things you can do for the kidneys. I'm I'm doing a. Uh, uh, big protocol for the kidneys right now uh, in my own uh, particular case just to strengthen them and, and, and uh, to help with that situation because with glaucoma uh, one of the things that could be related to that is, is kidneys and um, um, I've never had any overt kidney problems but I know what to do to restore the kidneys and to get them functioning right and, and, and this type of stuff so um yeah, I dialysis isn't isn't a great option. Just so you know, and uh, of, of course, it's not as convenient as the uh, kidneys that we were uh, born with and don't have to use dialysis. But on the other hand, uh, 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 to get a kidney for transplant, the donor either uh, becomes dead in the process or becomes weaker. Yes. And so uh, uh, these things about uh, uh, the ones that they take the organs from, uh, those are generally not uh, information about that is generally not uh, well publicized. But it's important that the uh, uh, that all of us learn about these things. Learn that brain death is not true death. Learn that you uh, cannot. Uh, get any organs from, uh, for transplantation from a cadaver. Uh, learn that that uh, you have to have power of attorney uh, once you reach the age of majority. Learn do not do an apnea test 
Uh, and uh, these are the kind of things that all of us need to learn, and uh, we need to discuss them with our relatives uh, and, and uh, uh, become versed in the subject so that we can do things to protect and preserve our life. And, and, uh, and in, in Madison, if we do things to help the ones that are the, that are the sickest, then ultimately uh, uh, many other people uh, get benefit from those things that are done. Okay, so there's about another ten, uh, about another nine minutes. Then there's other there's other uh, presentations he's done. He's got one entitled "Organ Harvesters Making Billions Off People." Um, the one where he spoke at this Fatima comp conference there's other things that he's done too if you want to avail yourself to that but uh i I think at this point you've got the gist of what we're in reference to here Uh, and just so you know what i do next is i give you the proactive steps you can take uh and this is from his website it's and i give you the links here now you can click on lifeguardianfoundation.org you can go there if you just want to bypass what i'm telling you here lifeguardianfoundation.org because I got all these links from it and there's there's more information on the website than I'm listing because I can't really list it all you know but the main things that he's got up here uh, and this is under the title of medical card directions to protect and preserve life things that you can know brain death is simple truth brain death is not death these are all different links uh beyond brain death these are all pds um yeah he's definitely catholic because there's a catholic world report there and um listen there i'm not saying there's not a lot of catholics that that aren't like nice people and in that they they do care and i i've met very nice people um but you know unfortunately they're in a uh, a very bad situation with the uh, workspace death cult that they're in and um i would just say to pray for him regarding this whole situation that, that you know he he gets the um the truth regarding the lord jesus christ and it's it's not works based and you know with catholicism you got to jump through about 900 hoops in order to and you're not really even ever securely saved there it's it's all works based so i've done tons of teachings on catholicism if you doubt that just key in catholic in the keyword search box at contendingfortruth.com but obviously a wonderful man god bless him and in this it's very, very hard, too, for MDs to come out and speak against their own profession. Um, the stigma, I'm sure he's been ostracized and demonized and you name it. So I commend him for his his efforts there. And um, just anyway, the, it's it has uh, another PDF for Choose Life, Not Death, Excision. Of vital organs and then do you want to be an organ donor organ organ donor medical organ donor questionnaire and medical card with instructions download so i think everything you would need to know and i think the the thing if you haven't done if you're not an organ donor you're good there but this thing he mentions about power of attorney i think that's very important that we all probably need to do that if god leads you uh and i'm assuming that Within these links I'm giving you and his website, that will all be explained on, on um, to have that in place, okay? Because uh, they're very, very sneaky, 
And if you don't have these things in place ahead of time, God forbid you'd ever have to use any of this. It's just nice to know, like an insurance policy, that it's there and you and you can fall back on that and that you're not going to be destroyed for lack of knowledge. God forbid you're ever in, put in that position. So that's all we have for part two. And thank God that part's over because, I mean, that was about as grievous of a thing as I've ever had to cover. And we will go to part three next. God bless you.